Was she in great pain? Yeah, she was in great pain. Then we cut off her head and drove a stake to her heart and burned it, and then she found peace. Doctor! But, sir, I know where the bastard sleeps. I brought him there to Carfax Abbey. Oh, shit. All right, guys, what are we here to do today? Dracula. Lots of Dracula. Well, first of all, Drew is on the podcast again from Select Screen. Nice to have you on, Drew. It's been a moment. The, the last time we had you on was the Edith Finch podcast, so it's it's long overdue. And uh, and then with that, we are going to talk about look Francis Ford Coppola. He only made like four movies, right? Like the two Godfather movies, The Conversation, and Apocalypse Now. Yeah. He didn't make any other movies, except uh, we are here to reveal that he made a Dracula movie in the 90s with Keanu Reeves. That might be his best movie. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) But it's pretty great. Great enough to get us all here to talk about it. (laughs) I I love the Dracula movie. Guys, Peggy Sue Got Married is his best movie. Come on. Wait, that doesn't exist. We already established that. It doesn't exist. But what if Dracula had both Jim Carrey and Nick Cage in it. <laughs> I went previously before we started this conversation. I would have never said that Dracula could have gotten any better, but you know what? I think we found a way. We could have improved it. Mm. Well, I gave it a nine out of ten on my letterbox, and I think the missing number was lack of Nick Cage. Now that mm. I think of it, yeah. So that could have been the reason. Well, nine just to ten. put it where everyone is. Uh, if you are familiar with Letterbox, you have a top four that you can put in there as your top four favorite film, and uh, Dracula might be in my top four, just as a hint. Oh, really? Uh, wow. Drew, I'm going to awesome. pull up your Letterbox right now. What what else has made it into the coveted halls of your top four? Well, so right now it's Dracula, Ghost in the Shell, Sorry to Bother You, and Hereditary. And it knocked mm-hmm. Short Term 12 out of the top four. Did you get into movies in 2018? Is that when you started to really love movies? <laughs> no, uh, that's. I also am, have always been kind of uh, like I was. I always wish that my top four was not as recent, like with Hereditary and Sorry to Bother You being two very recent movies in there. Sure. But now I have Dracula in there, so it's you know I've got two 90s movies and two like 2018 movies. You're cultured. No, that works. Uh... That's cool. That's a good list. Um, all right. Well, right. Now that we know what Drew thinks of this movie, that that it's this is this is pretty pretty uh, hollowed ground we're walking. Or I mean, do you, I you think I, I am like the think. reason that the like everyone on the podcast started talking about Dracula. So I will own that. No, you inspired us. Uh, Orn, you really gave this a uh, a what four and a half star rating? Yeah, I I love it. I think I think it's. Um... A ridiculous and horny movie and i appreciate that i think i think now especially movies being so staid and kind of unafraid of stuff like that seeing a movie this ridiculously just horny and goofy but also like the production design and the performances like the performances just really sell everything gary oldman sells everything and uh yeah, I almost feel like I should pull up my letterbox. I want to see what I said about it because I feel like 
what I said about it is probably better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Coppola is throwing every filmmaking trick in the book at this thing. Dreamy superimpositions, playful reverse motions, lush split diopters. And uh, it's and then I go on to say, it, everything feels so perfunctory now in our Marvelified world. So that's kind of where I stand on it. It just kind of feels like, well, man, blockbusters look to, used to look amazing. What happened? Mm. Um, well, I mean, to so be fair, there I weren't stand. a lot. There weren't a lot of blockbusters that looked like Dracula. No. If you if you watch Dracula, you're like, damn, I want to watch more of this. You're kind of out of luck, unfortunately. But even then, like, I mean, like this one is so eccentric and so like, you know, he he's making a really dreamy, surreal take on Dracula. But like, even then, like during that time, um, like the next year would be Jurassic Park, which you know mm-hmm. looks better than most of the block every blockbuster that comes out today. It's like it's absurd. Anyway. Uh, not to wring my hands over how filmmaking used to be, but it feels like that sometimes. <laughs> they, Batman they came out the year before, them. right? And has a similar oh, sort yeah. of route. To, I think that has uh, a kind of similar sort of gothic around. practical effects thing. Oh, yeah. Batman Returns looks awesome. The one with No, the not Batman one. Returns. Batman. <laughs> right, but Batman Returns, I believe, came out this same year, right? Oh, did let me, it? Yeah, let me see. Batman. Anyway, the two... Tim Burton Batman movies look amazing compared to yeah. anything today. Like Batman Returns is like a German expressionist uh, gothic master masterpiece. Yeah, you know? it's yeah. awesome. Uh, so I also uh, love this movie. Um, this movie actually, I, I guess I'm going to blend this into to quickly uh, my history with this because it's, it's kind of hard to talk about this movie without talking about the history of it. I saw, I like snuck into the movie theater to see a little bit of this when i was a kid like way too young to see it but um and and was just like whoa oh my god and then i had to go see whatever disney movie i was there to see but um like i I thought it was incredible so i was like held on to that memory for a long time and then when i finally got to watch it on vhs a few years later i was so like captivated that i had to immediately buy the book and read the entire book which was like my first sort of adult piece of literature so uh damn yeah, it's it's a, it's it's a it's a, you know, it's a part of my history. How long is the book? Is it like a long book? Yeah, so the book, god, I want to say the book is like 3 or 400 pages long. It's written in um epistolary form, so it's letters, journals, newspaper mm. clippings, kind of like it. Uh speaking of double diac- di- double diopter, uh I love the shot of the the, the journal in the foreground in the mountains of the Carpathian mountains in the background at the train goes in the distance, which is kind of a homage oh, to the book. We're going to talk about book. that. Yeah. I like, yeah. I watched a lot of the behind the scenes. I got something to say about that shot. Okay. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty impressive. But, uh, I, I guess do you guys want to talk about your history with the film. Uh, well, first of all, before we even do that, I guess we should do a quick overview of the podcast. Oh, sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. Like we're going to go over our history with the film we're going to summarize the film and kind of go through the plot and then the history of the film, like the behind the scenes, though we might meld that a little bit with the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, Coppola's interpretation and the direction of the material with regards to other adaptations of Dracula. Um, we say here that we're going to discuss the film using the plot as a structuring device. We, we might get into that, but we might again, marry that with the summary famous points of contention with the film. And we won't spoil that yet. Where do we see the film's influence? And ultimately, what do we think of the film? Um, 
we already kind of gave high level thoughts, but we'll probably do a closer of that. And uh, also, I kind of want to address why we're doing this film. Didn't like uh, 4K ultra like uh, come out of this film recently, uh, Drew? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think it was fairly recent. It was definitely in theaters again for the 30th anniversary last year. Uh, oh, it was. I think. Yeah, for like one day, one of those like one day things. Oh man, uh, I should have seen that. Like I will say, we we can go. I can meld this into my personal history. Is by that time I had still not seen Dracula, so like I didn't even go to. I was. It was. We played it for one day. I don't think I was working that day. We played it for one day at the movie theater I worked at, and. It was just another movie to me. My life hadn't been changed by Dracula yet because I did not watch <laughs> it until a couple of months ago. Hmm. So wow, yeah, I I might be the strongest, I might be the biggest Dracula lover here, and yet I might have the least history with this movie. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I think the first time I saw this movie was uh, probably when I was like twelve or something, like, and a friend was over. And we were expecting this to be like, you know, just like a fun Dracula, goofy slasher type movie. And uh, by the time the movie was over, like, we didn't understand anything that happened. <laughs> we were, we just, we just didn't. We were like, what the hell is going on? Like, why is this guy like 500 years old? Why is the visage of this woman coming back? Like, we didn't understand anything. So, like, we kind of just forgot about it. But I think the movie had such striking images that it stayed with me all these years. And then I was inspired by Drew to rewatch it. And, uh, and now I, now I love it. And I just think it's a fascinating movie and maybe my favorite Tom Waits performance. Like Tom, Waits, Tom Waits is so good in this movie. Oh my gosh. He plays like a dark souls character too. Like he's like <laughs> obsessed with this godly figure that gives nothing back to him. <laughs> he's just ridiculous. Anyway, How about you, Aaron? What's your personal history? Did you well, reveal? Well, I already yet? said my history oh, was yeah. I snuck into the movie theater. I was I was immediately sort of awestruck by the visuals and the mood and the gothic horrorness of it. But I was too young. I didn't get to watch it then. And then I, I kind of remember being a kid, and they used to have that channel that would play like what's on TV, right? And it would slowly scroll. Maybe they still have that. I don't know. I, I haven't had cable in like a long time, but like. Uh, and, and then it would show what's on pay-per-view. And I remember when this was on pay-per-view, they would show the trailer over and over. So I, was, I saw the trailer like a thousand times as like a, a young kid. Um, and then I finally saw it on VHS. And, and I, I really liked it and uh, also was like um, inspired to read the book. Um, and, then, and, then, and then I read the book and that was like one of my, one of my first adult uh, pieces of literature in, in like a real like – it's like the first time I sat down and read like a book, like a novel, a piece of literature and right. felt like a real man. I think I was like 11 or 12 at the time. So it was pretty, it was pretty awesome. The whole thing was just kind of like it came at the right place at the right time for me. Was the VHS in widescreen or was it like a pan and scan? Bro, bro. Do you think anybody had widescreen VHSs in the 90s? Oh, that that shit tough. did not exist. Like maybe so somebody's. Tough cool uncle who had the pulp fiction poster on their wall in their living room right like that guy in the 90s maybe had a widescreen version of like jurassic park or something but no there was no way so no That's i saw a totally butchered version of this film uh but the vhs you know give it that and the the crt gives it that extra oomph 
I was gonna say, like, I this is one of those movies you either want to see like in 4K, you want to see as pristinely as possible, or you want to just fuck it all the way up. You want to go all the way to VHS because I can imagine with especially the like the effects they're doing, the the less fidelity and like the but the blur the specifically the blurriness of VHS as opposed and like a CRT as opposed to like just watching a DVD. DVD is probably the would be the worst way to go. <laughs> That would be the worst way to go. DVD is consistently, especially on a modern television, DVD is just a little, little, little yeah. Ah, it's it's like you're watching YouTube, uh, from from 2009 or something. But um, no, yeah, on, on VHS, all those effects, like those matte paintings, like okay, so I watched oh. this. Did not watch the 4K Blu-ray because I'm an idiot and bought the wrong Blu-ray. But uh, but it was still it was pristine enough on the the Blu-ray Blu-ray. Um, some of those matte paintings you can tell, and I think on a on a CRT. That matte painting is just reality. The magic of old technology. Yeah, <laughs> we the, ma- the go, magic of the lack of clarity. Back. We, we should go back. Go back. Buddy, Dude, I yeah. have gone back. I got a CRT in my living room. <clears throat> oh, yeah, you do. That's right. <clears throat> I still um, feel like... Um, anyway, we should uh, we should get into this plot. I let's think. get into this we... plot. Oren, yeah, what happens in Dracula? Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read through the plot and take breaks, and then we're going to comment on it. Um, you can comment whatever you want. Behind the scenes stuff, whatever. Doesn't really follow the show notes, but I don't care. I'm making the rules today. Um, in 1462, this is at the beginning of the film, Vlad Dracula returns from a victory in his campaign against the Ottoman Empire to find his beloved wife, Elisabetta, committed suicide after his enemies falsely reported his death. A priest tells him that his wife's soul is damned to hell for committing suicide. Enraged, Vlad desecrates the chapel and renounces God, declaring he will rise from the grave to avenge Elisabetta with all the powers of darkness. He then drives his sword into the chapel's stone cross and drinks the blood that pours from it, becoming a vampire. And I'll stop there. Mm -hmm. So, right off the... This is when I first watched it this first... Because this whole prologue is like... Six to eight minutes ish, or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was immediately like, "All right, well, this movie's amazing." <laughs> like, yeah, it's hard to say how much it just fucking hits it out of the park from the very beginning, uh, with the all the the costuming and set design, and then the like the flashback of the battle that's like shadow puppetry and mm-hmm. like all basically all in silhouettes that are like some of them like uh, so i watched all the special features i that were on the the 30th anniversary set uh and i still couldn't they didn't really go into a lot of like this like i like because like the there's the one part where like dracula had like is like impaling because he's vlad the impaler (laughs) uh originally and he's like impales someone on like a long spike and then like the the person on the spike is clearly like moving like it's clearly a puppet and it's like moving like a puppet but like dracula i assume it is also a puppet but like damn that puppet moves real lifelike of it's like <laughs> it is such a we a fantastic dreamy blend it's like we were saying with like the all the other stuff that you if you watch it on a crt like even even in the highest fidelity possible it's this just this fantastic blend of like uncanny like clearly artificial um and doesn't care that it's artificial with some but still also some amazing stuff of like damn i can't even tell what is real and what isn't 
Uh, I think I just, well, first I should say that Elisabetta is played by Winona Ryder mm. in the scene, but also the chapel's priest is played by Anthony Hopkins, who appears later as Van Helsing. Yeah. So I wanted to pose that question, like, what's that supposed to mean? Is is he, yeah, especially the is Van he... Helsing thing. Yeah, there's this long rivalry between the Anthony Hopkins and uh, the Dracula character, I guess. <laughs> And he's so well, and I we think, got two reincarnation. Well, that's the thing. Also, I like. I think you know we'll get into. There's like a, it's definitely a question of like. Well, I mean like Elisabetta and Nina are definitely like two different people because Elisabetta dies. Uh, so like, uh, there's a question of like, is is Nina like actually a reincarnation or like just someone who happens to look a lot like like is it a literal reincarnation or not i always read van helsing as like and like anthony hopkins is like and that dude knows some fucked up shit like i think he might also just be as old as dracula i don't think he's a reincarnation because <laughs> like he i mean he has like we'll get in later there's like the part where he literally like teleports basically behind like keanu reeves like oh yeah he knows he knows some <laughs> right. stuff Mm-hmm. I think um, that's why this uh, movie went over my head as a kid because I was like, "Why are these characters doing something? Why, why is that?" But like as an adult, I appreciate that stuff a lot more. Um, yeah. So let me pose this question because this whole sequence that Orange just read is not uh, actually Bram Stoker's fiction. It's uh, whoever the screenwriter is, J- James V. Hart, added this entire love story. This is this is not part of the Dracula mythos. Uh, interesting that that uh, what, like, what do you guys think about that? Like injecting this love story on top of this already established piece of horror fiction. Well, I mean, it's like it's it's one of the things that both. So there's like a couple things going on with like both uh, James Hart and Coppola. Coppola had like this whole idea that you know we'll be talking about throughout the whole plot synopsis basically of like like all the all the effects are done like they like as if they could have been done back in like the dawn of cinema so all in camera mm-hmm. there's no like there there's ser- definitely no like cgi obviously but there's also even like they have to be done like in a practical way but not not just a practical way in a practical way of how they could be done in like the turn of the century basically yeah um which a lot of the original crew that signed on to work on this movie was they were not a fan of. Uh, but uh, so like Coppola's kind of, that was kind of his whole, that's what kind of got him into the idea of wanting to do this movie is like marrying Dracula with the birth of cinema. Um, and that, so it's kind of like a metatextual thing for him, but uh, he also, and like, I think it's, so I think the love story thing is more was just the original screenplay because Coppola didn't write this uh it was the screenplay was bought brought to him by Winona Ryder, and right. but he still I then interviews both of them have talked about wanting to. Both of them liked the like because the the Vlad the Impaler part is. Not ex, I mean correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, but is like, not explicitly in the book, but is like, you could, it's still like kind of the background lore of the book is that that is like a possible origin for him. Uh, I don't recall it's been a very long time since i read that book but uh, but yeah. i don't i recall the book not having much to say about 
Dracula prior to Jonathan Harker's first encounter with him. Hmm. Well, yeah. So at least in how the, some of the interviews, they they made it sound like that is like they wanted to bring him back towards like basically humanized Dracula, right? And I think part of yeah, that yeah, is yeah. too is is the the tragicness. It's not just a love story, but a tragic love story, and to. Mm-hmm. I think obviously I think the goal by the end of the movie is that you are more sympathetic to Dracula than the other quote unquote heroes of the movie, which I personally yeah. I think is successful. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that, and I think that is the biggest piece of contrast, right? Like Dracula in the book and Dracula in, in earlier depictions is just a ghoul. Like he's a seductive yeah. ghoul, but he's not a ghoul you empathize with. They also say a lot about how like they wanted to do, uh, you know, Dracula, compared to like say frankenstein also both kind of got like the book to what became the on-screen persona of what those these monsters were is very different than the book you know like frankenstein in the book like is an intelligent being who can talk and Mm. has feelings and emotions not just like you know a, a literal just like monster right uh so similarly they wanted to uh you know return it more to not just like a guy in a cave with some teeth that says, I want to suck your blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I will point out that other than the, uh, this, the love story, it is actually very uh, close to the book in terms of its, its faithfulness, probably the most faithful that I can think of that I've seen. Um, but that one piece is, is, is pretty, a pretty dramatic point in the film. And that it, both the beginning and ending of the film are, are, are different from the book. But uh, yeah. Well, and I'd also say like, so like I said, I, I, Maybe it's all just more in like the uh, the backstory of like what people think of the book or what Bram Stoker has said were influences. Is the more the Vlad the Impaler yeah, thing, yeah. but that's also another key like the like the idea of like religion and like you know foregoing your religion uh, and finding acceptance again at the end is also a very big. I mean, like the when. It cannot be said enough when Gary Oldman fucking stabs the cross with a sword and the cross starts bleeding and the entire mm-hmm. floor just is just filling with pools of blood as he's renouncing God. That that hit, that's that's some good shit. That uh, that was also that, that was the the whole sequence is great, but that's like the peak of like, all right, this is gonna do something for me as someone who I'll just like as someone who was raised uh, religious till they were a te- late teenager. That like was hitting hitting some buttons. Oh yeah, black metal is fuck, man. Um, it, it's <laughs> that that whole the mood set by the beginning, the shot of the church becoming a mosque, the 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 battle with the puppets, um, the the incredible shot of uh, Winona Ryder falling to her death, uh, yeah. and and then the blood. The whole thing just sets the mood so well, and like more than anything else, this movie has just such a, a consistent mood that's just so so well cooked um yeah i I really i really like it i love the colors Uh, everything going on in the beginning is just so evocative yeah you will know right away if this movie is for you or not yeah uh i can can imagine uh people who like watched the godfather movies being like (laughs) has a dracula movie and they watch this and they're like what the fuck is this shit like where was the cannolis no i'm kidding anyway i'm gonna (laughs) move on (laughs) Yeah, what's, what happens the... next? What happens yeah. next? Uh, in 18... So this is the second part. Uh, in 1897, you know, advance how many years later? Like 400... 
50, 60 years later or something. I can't do math. Uh, yeah, 435 years. Damn, good math. Um, in 1897, solicitor Jonathan Harker takes the Transylvanian Count Dracula as a client from his colleague R.M. Renfield, who has gone insane and is now an inmate in Dr. Jack Seward's insane asylum. Uh, Renfield is Tom Waits. Um, yeah, also Chris Renfield's great-great-great-great-grandfather. Of course, of course. <laughs> Jonathan travels to Transylvania to arrange Dracula's real estate acquisitions in London. Jonathan meets Dracula, who finds a picture of his fiancée, Mina Murray, and believes she is the reincarnation of Elisabetta. Dracula, Dracula leaves Jonathan to be fed upon by his brides while he sails to England with Transylvanian soil, taking up residence at Carfax Abbey. So before you guys speak, I just want to say about this section... Um, even watching this movie again, this section of the film almost lost me. Cause I was like, okay, Keanu Reeves, I'm going to be with this character for a long time. Like he's going to be the protagonist. And then he is imprisoned there. And then all of a sudden you see, <laughs> you see Dracula going all the way over to Carfax Abbey and he's there all of a sudden reincarnated as like this ape like visage. And I was like, what is going on? I need, I need a moment to slow down, but I love it. I just want to say that up top, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, th- there's a lot. And obviously, Keanu Reeves' performance is uh, maybe not totally selling the terror that you would imagine uh, Jonathan Harker's experiencing. But I actually think my favorite part of the movie is uh, is Jonathan Harker's travel to Dracula's castle. It's, it's probably the part I like. I mean, I love the whole movie, but just th- that all of that is just so good, even though... Keanu's not not really selling like he doesn't seem very perturbed by the fact that all this weird shit's happening he's just kind of like oh that's strange whoa (laughs) (laughs) no yeah I I, I love it I love um my favorite part is when he's like shaving with his razor and then Dracula takes the razor and he just like licks it really quickly like it's like Mm -hmm. the most uh yeah like you could just hear all the saliva and it's so gross and and I love how the uh the um shadows take a life of their own in oh, yeah. the castle that was so creative yeah, i mean th- this point is where dracula's in the oldest of old modes like uh and it's also the most iconic like most like spoofed also he's got like the giant like heart-shaped like bun hair yeah kind the of, head. gaudy red robes and everything uh and this is like the most like when he's like later on when he's in more like he's just gary oldman it looks more just appropriately aged is not as much, but when he's like old person, like old Dracula mode, he is like the most feral little like gremlin person <laughs> imaginable. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I you was, were saying I was shocked that was him. Uh, like yeah. it took me a moment to realize that he could take different forms like that. I was like, oh gosh, that's him. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Gary Oldman also was not. Gary Oldman was, I think, a bit of a a pain in the ass on the set from mm. some of the behind the scenes stuff. I don't think he it was, he was not a big fan of all the uh, prosthetic stuff and having to try and act through it, which fair enough. Mm. Uh, but, um, I, but Aaron was talking about the, the montage of like uh, Jonathan Harker traveling to uh, Transylvania. And uh, yeah, we called out earlier. There's like a scene where like, there's, you know, as we see on the screen, there's like the, Harker's journal which takes up like about three quarters of the screen and then on it looks like on top of the book it's kind of superimposed of the train that he's on kind of running across the top of the book um and again like we said so everything is done practically in in camera so how they did that is literally like 
at first they're like oh we're just gonna have to do it all in miniatures um which i mean they still did but they're like to get the perspective right what they basically did is they made a like because at first they're like oh we'll just have the journal like the prop the normal sized person sized journal Mm -hmm. and just hold it closer to the camera but it was messing up the perspective so what they did is they literally made like a 20 foot tall journal Oh my that God. is like ah. gigantic <laughs> and then the train is like a miniature sized train uh so that the perspective is right and so that gives you just an idea of how far they went to do all these effects there's also in the same sequence i believe is when um there's a shot of some mice running the like the mice and the beam they're on they're running on the beam and it's like upside down well and yeah. the background keanu is walking down a hallway and they did that by like creating like black black matting like for they basically did like uh, like a matte effect in like Premiere Pro or like After Effects, but practically where they would like have black matte off like the top uh, like three quarter like or the bottom three quarters of the screen so that the, they ran the film once and it was only exposed on the very top part where mm. the rats were running and then switched the matte. Uh, the other way and then use the same like re-expose the same film double exposure again to shoot uh keanu going and oh. that's like yeah they were doing like there's just stuff constantly throughout the whole movie like this which is also why uh like i i said i kind of briefly mentioned earlier like coppola when he first started like signed on the movie it was kind of more veteran people like crew and everything that signed on to make the you know Coppola's making Dracula movie obviously a lot of people are going to want to work on it even in the 90s where he had a little bit uh, less than stellar not as much of a stellar reputation um but a bunch of people either just straight up quit or Coppola fired because they're all just like bro we can't do what you want to do we can't do this like this is ridiculous Mm. and it's like it is an interesting case of like you know, most of the, pretty much everything I could watch, especially that's on the official Blu-ray and everything, is just Coppola talking, so you're getting Coppola's side of the story. I mean, how he tells it is, it was very, he says in multiple different interviews of how, like, you know, he he puts it in a good light of, like, you know, when everyone, when they're starting pre-production and, like, you're talking to the, the cinematographers and the sound, like, the stage designers and the costume designers and everything, you know, everyone wants to be because they're invested everyone wants a hundred percent of the movie and you can't do that because then you have 700 percent of a movie um so he was really he and this is you know fits in with his career his entire career is about wanting creative control of all of his stuff that he does um and it really comes around this one of like he wants to be it's not even necessarily that he wants he wants to be the one coming up with the ideas but he wants to be the one having the final say in everything and managing everything so he like either a bunch of people either quit or he fires them and hires younger people, which he describes as, you know, more ambitious. But you can also, which is true, I'm sure, but you can also read that as like less experienced. And like they did, everyone on this movie did a real good job, but oh, also yeah. he hired a lot of people that weren't going to say no to him either, right. uh, including yeah. uh, literally the like the lead effects design uh, like uh, creator and the second unit director is Roman Coppola, his son. Which, again, you know, normally I'm not in favor of nepotism, but you know what? Sometimes I guess it works. Yeah, sometimes hey man, it works. Nick, Nick, Nick Cage is awesome, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> and Nick Cage basically wouldn't have a career if Coppola didn't hire him first. So, you know, like, 
Exactly it's the weird. That. It's the weird thing of like the like the big rap on George Lucas for so long. I I think weirdly, mostly because of like those red letter media reviews from the early 2010s, is like George Lucas during the prequels would not. No one would say no to him, uh, and that's why those mo- people hate those movies is because it was completely George Lucas and no one else. And, but this is the same thing of like no one said told no to Coppola, but you know what? Sometimes he's right. Yeah. Yeah. He's cra- he's crazy, but I, I love him. It is interesting to know because you were alluding to this earlier, Drew. But the last movie he made before this movie was The Godfather Part Three, so his reputation was oh, kind yeah. of not in the best place. So my my guess is that he was just he just wanted to do something completely different to kind of almost maybe not rebrand himself, but be like, okay, like Godfather Part Three, like wasn't well received i'm just gonna do this crazy what he calls an erotic dream type movie um but well he is smart i mean not to get i know we need to get back to the plot eventually but like you know he even in one of these behind the scene or like uh featurette says like (laughs) talks very proudly of like he tricked the studio he he got the studio to let him do all of this like shoot the movie all on sound stages and do all the camera effects in camera and everything by basically using his reputation as a director that always goes over budget and over time, because he like started off by saying like, well, you know, mm. we could like we could go to Romania, we can shoot it on location, we can shoot in real castles, uh, and of course the studio is not going to be down for that. They're going to be scared of that because everyone thinks I go over budget and over time. Which he also he takes yeah. umbrage with in saying like, well, I only did that on movies where I was spending my own money, which I don't know is entirely true, but. Either way, hmm. Coppola again maybe has a different view of history than some other people do. A more like a not yeah. completely objective view of history, but he uses that to like say like, or you know, I can shoot this whole movie on a soundstage, like on your sound soundstage. You can come in at any time and make sure I'm not like you know losing my mind and carrying a, a loaded gun on set like I was in Apocalypse <laughs> Now. Uh, and you know, I get like so he's like he smartly used his like reputation to be able to make the kind of movie he wanted to make yeah worth pointing out that like almost every shot of this movie is on a stage uh, with with sets and stuff there's nothing on location and often that that can give a movie a very artificial look and i think it does give this movie an artificial look but it gives it a sort of dreamy artificial look and sort of just a fake artificial look yeah yeah it totally works. I mean, like, it's it's one of those things, it's like that and the Keanu Reeves performance are just going to be make or break things for some people. Of Like, you're just, some people are like, I just can't, it, it, I can't do it. But like, I love, I love the fact that it's all on sets and clearly on sets. Like, it works so much for the mood and the vibe of the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I love the, the shadow play stuff with Dracula. Um, like another another classic moment um what what do you guys think about his his brides taking uh taking jonathan to be fed on i mean another fantastic scene of like practical effects like there's one like there's one like they they, the three of them come into frame in different way like one of them literally just rises out of the bed which i think is yeah monica belushi just just comes out of nowhere (laughs) right which i think they filmed that in reverse and then played it or you know played it the other way around to get that effect Mm. and there's like the there's some wild uh like 
footage on uh, the behind the scenes of them doing like what at the final when like uh, at the end of the scene when dracula finally like sends them away like how they all are kind of like a big mass of just three people as like a like a dark souls enemy and they like mm-hmm. have like just limbs and everywhere like there's a footage of them like the three of them like practicing how to walk as like three people and it's it, but they're all just in like uh like leotards or whatever and not like their full costume and it's like it, it is some creepy dark soul shit <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I, I i love that yeah that was like the sequence where i really kind of felt like you know how expressive coppola's direction was because their um it like that scene like the sense of space is so off like that bed and just how it morphs and how like all of those uh vampires just kind of appear out of nowhere like i don't know it's just the way that space is constructed was very you know very not realistic at all and very expressive and very like okay coppola this is the direction he's going in um and then uh anyway with that i do want to move the plot forward um so now we are in london dracula is in london uh dracula hypnotically seduces then bites mina's best friend lucy westen westenra i think i'm pronouncing that not right with whom she is staying while jonathan is in transylvania lucy's deteriorating health and behavioral changes prompt former suitors quincy morris and dr seward along with her fiance arthur homewood to summon dr abraham van helsing seward's mentor who recognizes lucy as the victim of a vampire Dracula, appearing young and handsome during daylight, meets and charms Mina. Mina begins to develop feelings for Dracula, accompanying him on several outings. When Mina finally receives word from Jonathan, who has escaped the castle and recovered at a convent, she travels to Romania to marry him. Upon learning this, a heartbroken Dracula transforms Lucy into a vampire. Van Helsing, Holmwood, Seward, and Morris kill and behead the undead Lucy the following night. Poor Lucy. Poor Lucy. Yeah, was that in the book, by the way, Aaron? Like, you have to stab them with the stake and then cut their head off? Is that a thing? Yes, yes, that's definitely in the book. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, all, all of that is roughly in the book. Um, I, I don't remember how much the Dracula... I don't know if... Or if Dra- Dracula... I don't know if he actually goes out with Mina or he just comes and drinks her blood at night, I think is what happens. But, um, but yeah, the head... The head Beheading has to happen. I think you have to burn the body afterwards. The book is a little more explicit than just a wooden stake to the heart, which is kind of where where pop culture's gone. Do pop culture go that way because you know you can't really behead stuff on like CBS or like you know network TV? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Bella Lugosi said, "Fuck no." Yeah, that's probably what happened. <laughs> you're, you're not gonna desecrate my <laughs> practical double. Um, Oh, yeah, but, that's awesome. Uh, I I do love we briefly skipped it. I love the the Dracula on the boat feasting on all the uh, the crew and the you get the first mate's uh, dire entries on that. Um, Dracula just rolling up and just basically raping Lucy as a weird demon werewolf thing. Uh, pretty uh, pretty crazy. Uh, I I love uh, the the absurd scenes of. Uh, Lucy and Mina running around in the rain in their in their little uh, pajamas. <laughs> like... That is probably like my from like the 
once Dracula gets like Dracula getting off the boat, the whole sequence of like when Mina and Lucy are like uh, running through the hedge maze and it, mm-hmm. it, like the scene starts completely sunny, normal day, and then all of a sudden it's overcast and just raining, and they're running through. They have just these like gauzy, flowing nightgown, fa- like dresses on, uh, and then that all kind of just fades into yeah the scene where dracula it's funny how like twilight turned like vampires versus werewolves into or i guess underworld also like vampires versus werewolves is like a thing but also in this movie like dracula is also kind of a werewolf monster like he like he like when yeah he like fucking he the ship makes it to london he just like bursts out and like in full werewolf mode just like going Mm. going feral uh and that yeah that suit the the suit where he's like in full like werewolf mode is uh amazing <laughs> it's like a it's like a bigfoot suit almost yeah yeah uh he seems to really know his way around town too he's got a pretty good he's been studying that map i guess that jonathan harker gave him uh the suit is great i don't know what he's supposed to be i recall that dracula is supposed to have many forms and so i think he's supposed to be kind of a demon but yeah he looks like a full-on werewolf well, he also had like there's multiple scenes of like him like he has like either this one wolf or multiple wolves that he like has some sort of like bestial relationship like can like control them. Uh, yeah. So like there's a lot of like wolf stuff along with the vampire stuff in this film. I should mention too that like whenever one thing that I thought that Coppola did that I thought was interesting is that he kind of marries the desire to like feast with the, with like an intense sexual desire. Like every single time Gary Oldman looks like he's like about to bite Winona Ryder. It's not like he's biting her. It's like he wants to like ravage her, have sex with her. And it's just, I feel like I haven't seen other Dracula media, at least media that predates this, that does that. Is, is that, I mean, there, there's, there's certainly some unsubtle imagery going on in this movie. Constantly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, feel, I, I feel like it's yeah, always Aaron implied the sexuality yeah. of it. I feel like, like cause that's kind of like a yeah the sex. I think like it's how it's it's rarely as explicitly played up as it is in this movie. But I feel mm-hmm. like that's kind of always been an undertone to vampire fiction for kind of forever. Um, yeah, I definitely yeah, saw it's... a lot of that in uh, Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark. Like that, it's it's been there's yeah. been other movies that have done it's. It, I mean, it is sure. like it's like kind of just an inherently sexual thing. Like it's kind of hard not to have it, you know. Um, but the the whole like the once. I guess the final scene when early final like time where Dracula goes to actually fully turn Lucy into a vampire is another one of those like uh, put just like like putting everything on the screen of like like it's not just like he bites her and she turns into a vampire it's like is literal explosions of blood come from off screen in all directions and just bathe the entire yeah. screen in blood it was uh, a shining it's, moment it's, it's the most it's a like, shining moment yeah. <laughs> it's the most maximalist of like that this movie that is maximalist all the time gets uh also i think this is still is she still in this scene does she have like the big bloodborne like the gigantic collar that's like mm. two feet long all the way around that she's oh, obviously yeah. wearing that in in the um 
scene where they finally go to kill her where she just is like lady yarnum from bloodborne uh that, that's which, one of like, my favorite that's one of my favorite scenes because i was like lady yarnum from bloodborne <laughs> i couldn't help but make I, that connection <laughs> there's clearly i mean this is how i got everyone to average i like i think this is the biggest selling point of how i got everyone to watch this eventually is like how many like clearly some people that worked on the soul series saw this movie and they really liked it but i mean it also like it has like a cool blend of like western and eastern styles because like coppola got uh eiko ichioka to do all of the costume designs she's like a oh. Uh, pretty famous like uh, just visual artist but also has done a lot of like uh, production design of movies before um, and like yeah there's just a lot of like I like the whole like Dracula Dracula's castle is like basic and like a lot of the costuming is basically the whole little uh, I forget the castle's name, but the whole side area that's, like, in Bloodborne that you, like, you take the coach, like, that is the same, like, coach that Jonathan Harker basically takes in this movie, like, oh, it's, like, uh, almost, like... castle? Yeah, Canehurst, yeah. yeah. Like, the, like, the, like, stagecoach, like, that whole scene is almost, like, shot for shot the same. Um, like we hmm. said, Lady Yarnum and the Lucy, like, when she's become a vampire, I mean, is the most direct, like, that's basically just one for one um so there yeah there's a ton of a lot of specifically bloodborne but also just other kind of souls like inspiration going on here it's awesome uh i i also love the uh coachman the guy who's leading the coach he's so wild <laughs> like every oh, yeah. <laughs> every like moment coppola wants to just go hard with the horror and the costumes he just does it <laughs> mm. yeah the the weird bird man i guess that's supposed to be dracula like he, yeah he's like changing appearances but coppola says that in one of the interviews and i i i did not ever pick that up when actually just watching the I, film but yeah at least in the book it's supposed to be dracula yeah. i did not pick up on that that's fascinating huh it, it's definitely more obvious in the book although it's still implied but it's like the guy drops him off and he's like you're you know dracula will be here in a little bit and like two hours later dracula's like oh hey hey <laughs> like <it's gonna laughs> changed right. Um, but, uh, yeah, great stuff. I I love, uh, that every time that Francis Ford Coppola wants to remind us that they're evil, they're feeding on children and babies. (laughs) Like (laughs) Mina brings a child. We know Mina is fully gone from flirtatious young girl to, to, uh, evil vampire because she's got a little baby that she's going to (laughs) eat. I love that scene. that, That might be my favorite scene in the movie. Just like everything about it. Like, I like how... I can't remember. Do the candles light up as she's walking down, or do they go out? Like it was one or the other. Oh, but yeah. anyway, like all they, the detail in that scene, they is probably light up because uh, that's another one where they shot it in reverse, like uh, that, and also like the her like when Van Helsing holds like the crucifix up and like backs her back into the coffin. They shot that entirely in reverse, and there's like a lot of there's some footage and the behind the scenes of her having to like practice how to like get into the coffin in reverse so awesome yeah i love that i also love the part when she just vomits blood everywhere oh yeah i love that shit (laughs) it's a great scene um but um yeah i'm trying to i guess i I could just keep moving the plot forward and that will you know generate combo um so after yeah yeah. we get to the well did we get to the i forget was it the last section the like did we get to the final like like mina and dracula parts or is that still to come 
No, Mina's uh, dead. Fi- oh wait, Mina. Sorry, not Mina's dead. No, uh, no, Lucy's, L- dead. Lucy's dead. Uh, I don't think we 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 haven't gotten to the Mina part yet. We didn't talk uh, about that. So the 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 courtship between Dracula and Mina. I guess oh, is what we're talking sure, about. Yep. We haven't gotten. Oh yeah, to the I, I, as much, but. Yeah, we only did the uh, the initial meeting. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we'll we'll go ahead and we could just talk about the whole courtship. Um, so after he and Mina return to London, Jonathan and Van Helsing lead the others to Carfax Alp Abbey, where they destroy the Count's boxes of soil. Dracula enters the asylum and kills Renfield for warning Mina of his presence. Poor Tom Waits. Uh, he visits mm-hmm. Mina, who is staying in Seward's co- uh, quarters, and confesses that he murdered Lucy and has been terrorizing Mina's friends. Though furious at first, Mina admits that she still loves him and remembers Elisabetta's previous life. At her insistence, Dracula begins transforming her into a vampire. The hunters burst into the bedroom, and Dracula claims Mina as his bride before escaping. As Mina changes, Van Helsing hypnotizes her and learns via her connection with Dracula that he is sailing home in his last remaining box. The hunters depart for Varna to intercept him, but Dracula reads Mina's mind and evades them. The hunters split up. Van Helsing and Mina travel to Borgo Pass and the castle while the others try to stop the gypsies transporting Dracula. Roma people. Oran, geez, come on. Sorry. What did I, what, what did I say? <laughs> you, read, you read it. As, forgive. Uh, yeah, I'm making a bad joke. but uh, but Oh, yeah, my God. Kind of, kind of an outdated um. term. Um, oh my god i'm sorry wikipedia is for saying uh for yeah. saying gypsies yeah oh man yeah, it's wikipedia's just, fault it. it's, it's wikipedia's, wikipedia's fault. fault but uh fault. Yeah. i think it's actually uh bram stoker's fault um <laughs> i guess that's that was a lot of the movie in that particular paragraph but uh you know my second favorite part of the movie is when they go in there and they see mina uh you know sucking an invisible dick and then uh dracula's head pops down like a little like wind up clock upside down. Oh yeah, that's a bat. That part. <laughs> yeah, that's a great part. Um, well, I, I have a question for you guys because um, it says Mina admits that she still loves him and re- remembers Elizabeth's previous life. Like, do you think that actually is the Lord? Do you think she's just imagining that because she's horny for Dracula? Like, wh- wh- is it in I her head? Really basically, love that or? part. You don't love that part? Yeah. I don't know. I think it, the movie implies that she is some sort of reincarnation. She is the soul, right? She's come back to life. So otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. But like, that's kind of apocryphal to the uh, the source material. Um, I don't I don't love that part. Yeah, I do love the little green smoke trail. Oh, my God. That actually that might, yeah, that that might be that my favorite thing. Cool. Yeah, I, I think honestly, to me, like I. Yeah, go ahead. I always read it as like it's supposed to be you're supposed to be unsure of whether she is actually a reincarnate like because there's a whole the whole scene uh with just the two of them when she's like recounting she's uh, dracula's telling her about transylvania and then she recounts like visually what it looks like uh as if she has memories of it right uh, and i think you're i think to me it's all i've always read it as the movie trying to be like are you you're supposed to be torn on if she actually is like a reincarnation or if dracula is just using sort of some sort of hypnotism yeah and like implanting her with these memories i think that's very valid i my my view of it was was that it was more explicit but i i think you're right because dracula seems to be very good at uh you know incepting stuff into people's mind so yeah uh i have a question for aaron though since you're the 
the loaned book expert here. Like how not expert. I read this book like well, thirty years ago. <laughs> well, compared to us, you're the expert. So sorry, we've elected yeah. you to this position. Um, uh, like how how consensual? Because I think the the key part of like this for me is like how consensual becoming a vampire and like their whole relationship becomes versus yeah, I could see so, at least other versions being like what uh, Dracula is just the bad guy and it's all we got to save me oh, from he, he Dracula. is the bad dudes that are stealing our women like yeah that, I think that is that is inherent in vampire fiction in general is just this idea of like outside foreign maybe eastern corrupting powers coming in and seducing our women you know, uh, and the women love it because women are, you know, it's, it's, this is a Victorian, like, you yeah, know, perspectives totally. on feminine agency. So uh, I, I think that, that like, it's always, and I think in this, it's, it's just as much like, like, oh, like you, you go back to Lucy, like, like, it seems like Dracula's just kind of, I mean, it says uh, hypnotically seduces. I don't know what that means. She seems into it at the end, but clearly he's just like, boom, moving right in. Um, it doesn't seem that consensual to me. It seems like, like either, uh, Dracula has this just like force of nature that it that just erodes people's ability to think for themselves, or uh, or there's some troublesome politics going on underneath there. But who knows? Yeah, I mean, it is like definitely a mess because it's also dealing with so many different versions of these type of stories from so many different spans of time. So like, I I definitely don't think there is also a full clean read on any of this type of stuff. I like because no, the Lucy not. stuff is definitely pretty hard to read in any sort of consensual way but i do to me i think the mina stuff is all which is what works for me is like because he he to me i always see it as him like he any sort of powers he uses for like on lucy is like that is him at his most like bestial vampiric like he can't he has to feed on blood and has to like feed to keep uh, i think also it's kind right. of tied to like to use his powers to like be able to look young again and all that stuff too uh but yeah. he seems to want to like genuinely he doesn't want to just make mina love him he wants mina to love him on her own which i is right. how i read it of like because he in the like the big bedroom scene is like the like he does he starts to try and turn her but then stops and like does not want to do it uh partially because again it's also meshing all these other things of like oh i don't want you to be a horrible monster like me uh right. but it's like she's the one that convinces him to turn her into a vampire and like the whole end of, from that point on it's not like it's not like they save her at the end of the day and she like reverts back to like oh i actually love keanu reeves this whole time he just had like she in, loves in the movie, him but in the, the book she does the movie oh yeah no yeah they i'm just kids. saying for for the <laughs> yeah, yeah. movie um, right right which is what, so, which is also why it works because I feel like it ties back into, like you're saying, the Victorian like repression of like women and like renoun like uh, the renouncing of religion yeah. and everything. So, hearing you say all this makes me think that it's even clearer that 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 the read, the the read that that the authors want me to take is that she is a reincarnation and that she is she's rekindling this love, right? Like how? Because then you think of the end of the film too, which we'll get to, but like. Yeah, because you're right. He does ap appear to Lucy as a beast. He appears to uh, Mina as a as a handsome young man. He's much more gentle. They, they like I said, they have like a courtship. Um, but then he does use some psychic powers. He's like, notice me, notice me, and you know some other weird stuff. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's I the way I see it is that's definitely the reincarnation angle, and, and that she is 
she's both characters oh i still and to be clear i honestly don't know that i even fully think she's a reincarnation i kind of think it doesn't i mean it's supposed to be a i think you're supposed to be unclear it's it's the movie does not take a firm stance either way i honestly i don't know that i really even care so much it's like it the matter what matters is either way whether she's a a reincarnation or not she does generally love dracula Mm -hmm. and that's all that really matters but i feel like i've talked a lot so i want to hear Orin. oh yeah no i i'm i i actually am more leaning towards i like the idea that it's not clear um but i do understand like you know it is kind of cool to lock it down into more of like the uh, classic Bram Stoker uh, mythos of, you know, she's a reincarnation. But I do like the idea that the movie is constantly kind of posing these narrative threads, but it's never truly clear if it's just Dracula's hypnotizing her, if she's just horny for Dracula, if it's just a reincarnation. It kind of it kind of ties into the surrealism of it so much more when it's not totally clear what the motivations are. Um, But that's like another reason why I think a lot of people don't like the movie is because those things Mm. aren't clear and people get confused why characters are making certain decisions. But I, I personally like it. I think it kind of makes it more, more, more dreamy, but also more erotic. Like again, the whole movie just has this undertone of just horniness that I just love. (laughs) <laughs> I just think it's it makes it stand out from other horror movies in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why like this like it works for me on more the like just the level of just being horny, but the horniness ties into the like going against the like cultural repression of the times and why that all right. it all blends together so well for me on not just like an aesthetic level but also a thematic level. Yeah. Um also, Gary Oldman's fucking what, hot in this movie. Can we just Gary say Oldman. that? Like, like he's the only yeah, man Oldman's I've ever seen wearing. He's like wear a top hat <laughs> and not look yeah, like unbelievably cringe. And the glasses, yeah, it's it's, oh, it's yeah. awesome. The glasses with no uh, side earpieces. That uh, yeah. the, he uh, he beat Morpheus to it by by nearly a decade. I love how he always wears his glasses on the tip of his nose like this. You know, yeah. <laughs> I just like, I, I got, love that. I got look. great eyes. I'm a vampire. Uh, yeah. It's awesome. And I love, uh, yeah, I love everything about it. I love too, that every time he starts to get into like horny vampire mode, his eyes glow like orange. It's like this orange feral glow. I love those details. They're so, mm-hmm. they're so out there. Um, yeah, but yeah. Also, I, I, I one really... last thing and then yeah, we can move ahead. on. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't, because I have a friend who their favorite part of this whole movie is like when, uh, when, Van Helsing everyone breaks in on Mina's room after she's been turned into a vampire to chase Dracula away and he he turns into like the most like classical vampire monster suit version but he like backs up into like a corner where it's all shadow and then just turns into a giant suit of rats basically mm. that then just like scatter uh that is my friend's favorite part of the whole movie is just the rat suit uh and it is it is another really good practical effect mm. It's so yeah. gross. Oh, I can't. Stuff. I can't. I can't. I, I have a fear of rats. So every single time I see like rat effects in movies, I'm like, gosh, I would hate to be that person on set doing that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh gosh. But anyway, I'm gonna start moving the plot forward. Uh, we have. We're almost done with the plot. Uh, at night, yeah. Van Helsing and Mina are approached by Dracula's brides. Mina succumbs to their chanting and attempts to seduce Van Helsing. 
Before Mina can feed on his blood, Van Helsing places a communion wafer on her forehead, leaving a mark. He surrounds them with a ring of fire to protect them from the brides, and then kills them the following morning. Uh, I should mention that we're in Borgo Pass at this point. Dracula's carriage arrives at the castle, pursued by the hunters. A fight between the hunters and gypsies ensues. Morris is stabbed in the back, and Dracula bursts from his coffin at sunset, now appearing as a monstrous bat-like humanoid. Jonathan slits his throat with the kukri knife, while Morris stabs him in the heart. As Dracula staggers, Mina rushes to his defense. Van Helsing and Jonathan allow her to retreat with the Count. Morris dies from the wound, surrounded by his friends. Um, uh, I love the look of this whole scene. The the like yeah. the sun rising, the you know the chase on the hillside. Obviously, Dracula's castle just looming above them. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like the where the movie when, uh... looks at it the most fake, but so but still, it's like best. Oh, so fake. Yeah, it it, it looks like a play almost. It's <laughs> one of my favorite moments is when uh, Mina tries to seduce Van Helsing. Just like that whole sequence is so ridiculous, <laughs> but I, I love it at the same time. Like her just seducing Anthony Hopkins, and then literally the next morning, Anthony Hopkins just goes to those brides and just cuts all their heads off and just throws all their heads off a cliff or something. I was, I love that scene. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just awesome. It, it is the most of Anthony Hopkins being like, oh, like when she's like seducing, like, well, I really shouldn't, but she is kind of hot. <laughs> yeah, I know. Is, That's what is, I was why thinking. Why not a writer at yeah. her prime? So who can blame him? Um, <laughs> <laughs> being seduced by Mina it's so good um, uh, yeah he's a little I, I too did... quick to go for that actually like that's Jonathan should have some words with him like, I mean he's on. a weird creepy old man like Anthony Hopkins is like turning it up to 11 through this whole thing yeah 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 I feel I feel like all of the performances in this movie are just who can eat the scenery the most, but in a good oh way, God. like if it, it fits yeah. the material, like between Anthony Hopkins and Gary Oldman, it's like, I am going to win the Oscar. No, I'm going to win the Oscar. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But, um, yeah. What did you guys think of the ending when they killed Dracula? Cause I actually thought, like, even though I love the set piece, I thought they killed Dracula, like really, really quickly. Like he just burst from his coffin and then boom, boom. And that's it. I was like, oh, wow. So I guess Dracula is easy an, to kill. <laughs> that is a, uh, a book accurate take. I, I think the chase takes a little bit longer, but they do kill him and, and rather easily. Uh, although he actually doesn't die quite there in the movie. But um, yeah, it's a little. He doesn't die, but he's like incapacitated. You know, like... he, he gets owned fast. Yeah, right. That's definitely where it's the most like, oh, this is definitely this is not an action movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, but I guess, I mean, yeah. like, my Bloodborne head was, like, this is going to be a boss fight. But it was mm-hmm. really just, like, like I have overpowered my character so much that I do one hit with the sword and he's dead. At the, I yeah. did every side quest. And <laughs> that's what that <laughs> felt like. Well, that's one of the good things about, like we were saying, of, like, they don't, they don't make him like they used to. Because if it was made today, it would be a big, bombastic final boss fight where he'd, he'd have, like, a bunch of he'd turn into a big cgi smoke monster or something like that you know like and that's just none of that's here which i don't it, it is it does feel a bit in the moment before you get to the final final scene it feels a bit anticlimactic but uh you know like it's also I, the final it's also the final beat is also why i 
it is it, it ties into why i like the movie although it is a bit messy i think also of like you know so like it's uh you know it's basically like the like they like you said they incapacitate dracula they do not kill him uh and like they actually don't it's mina who chooses to kill him and to let him go because she loves him that much uh and you know ends with the final shot of like the skylight stained glass uh, mural of dracula and I, I guess elisabetta in like in the sky uh i think you're I think you're supposed to read that as, you know, him finding redemption and grace again and going to be with Elizabeth in heaven, uh, which is more yeah. like, you know, I, I think it makes sense for Coppola as a filmmaker that that thematically makes sense with kind of a lot of where he is. For me, it kind of it does somewhat. I have to kind of forget about that in my this movie is all about like shaking off your religion yeah. and being being with someone who you actually love even if it's uh they're uh you know a demon made made from darkness yeah i uh i guess i might as well just read that part of the movie because we're talking about it already like basically in the chapel where he renounced god dracula lies dying in an ancient demonic form he and Mina share a kiss as the candles adorning the chapel light up and the cross repairs itself. Dracula, Dracula reverts to his younger self and asks Mina to give him peace. Mina thrusts the knife through his heart and he dies. The mark on her forehead disappears. She then de decapitates him and gazes up at the fresco of Vlad and Elisabetta, finally reunited and ascending together in heaven. And that's how the movie ends. Um... But, um, is it yeah. fair that he gets to go to heaven after after killing all those babies? Because that seemed to be like his eh, principal diet. For his children. You know, what? again, he's he's really hot. It's fine. He, he's he's hot. really hot. Yeah, yeah. He's really uh, hot. He's Gary Oldman. You know. Did did the concubine wives get to go to heaven? Do you think Monica Belushi's in heaven up there with Flood, or is she just fucked? Uh, that would be awkward. You know, <laughs> be awkward. <laughs> I do know uh, that Monica Monica Bellucci is in David Lynch's dream in Twin Peaks The Return, but that's, a, that's as far as oh. I know. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, a, a Blu-ray set arrived at my door yesterday. Oh, nice. nice. Uh, um, but uh, <clears throat> I do want to say one thing about what Drew say, said about um, the so-called anticlimactic ending. Uh, I actually think I agree with you. I think um, movies have evolved in such a way that things just don't know how to end. And I think it's okay if things just end and like you don't need to have this extended 45 minute climax like it could just be like i remember playing um red dead redemption 2 the video game and it's like the arthur morgan dies sorry spoilers what <laughs> I the fuck <laughs> oh, man. i was about I to play that what the <laughs> shit fuck? i shit i should have said spoilers sorry everyone <laughs> red dead redemption 2 i just spoil bombed everybody but anyway oh, so arthur morgan dies and then there's like 10 hours of epilogue you know mm. and it's like i feel like i've seen that everywhere like tv shows need to have six episodes of epilogue um that's probably my biggest criticism of something so. like better call saul like everything has to have these extended epilogues things just should end and i like how this movie just ends you know it's like that's yeah it. You, yeah you don't need to see a giant resolution but then it has the it has the thematic resolution of uh, Dracula being redeemed, finding his love again, finding peace, 
uh, it's just not a fight. But I, I agree that the, I, I am happy that it's not a fight. Um, I don't that that last scene for me is maybe the weakest part of the movie just because it's it's the most it's the most apocryphal. But also it's just why does Jonathan just go? No, she can go. Like, why is he so OK with Mina? Like, it does, I don't know that that was earned that he was just like, yeah, that's fine. She can just go with him. Look, he knows he can tell, you know, like Mina ain't looking at him like that. He's just yeah, he's a chill dude, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's Keanu. He's fine with it. (laughs) It's like I'm in love. I'm in love with her. But you know what? Uh, It's she clearly loves him more. (laughs) Yeah, she really likes Dracula. So it's like you know what? You could go with the horny demon. You know, he's a demon, but I get it. You're in love with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I haven't been able to maintain an erection in like 15 years, so (laughs) I get it. He did also, yeah, he did yeah. also spend like a month trapped with like the three horniest vampires in the history of cinema. And, That's like, true. Weird. Yeah, he dimension. got all of his he horny, got a, a lifetime of sex. Time, yeah, so. in that month, <laughs> he chilled out significantly <laughs> after Transylvania. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Oh god! But anyway, that's the end of the movie. Yeah, I really, I really enjoy this movie. But yeah, um, it's. God damn. I mean, I get it. If you want to fall if you fall in love with a horny vampire, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fake. Solves a lot of problems. Solves a lot yeah. of problems. Um, but yeah, I, I do I, I one last thing I want to say about about this before we move on to another point is that have you guys ever seen like those YouTube videos of AI generated art where it's like what if Bloodborne was made as a 1990s movie and it's all AI mm. generated? Uh, I don't Unfortunately, know yes. Unfortunately, no. yes. Well, sometimes this movie feels that way, and that ending especially um, with the fresco and everything. I was like, mm. this looks like an AI-generated Bloodborne scene, and I loved it. Anyway, <laughs> that's my last thought on that. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I guess my last thought is like, I um like I said I hadn't really ever like I just kind of go went with the like you're supposed to be unclear of whether Mina is an actual reincarnation of that of like I don't I'm I just for whatever reason usually when movies are like it's supposed to be unclear I just go like with like I don't I don't I don't have like the I need to figure out what how I feel about it I'm just like well it's just mm-hmm. unclear and mm-hmm. but like this final scene is actually the most where I'm the most like actually I think she I think she's just a person who looks a lot like this person from 400 years ago uh really why do you think that from the last scene i just i, I get totally, the opposite read from the last scene I, totally i feel like it's because like it is i think it's the the act of like letting him go be with i don't i feel like it's more of like letting him go be with his original love because he's also mm-hmm. like in pain of being this 400 year old monster he clearly like like he may be hot, he also is not liking being Dracula at this point. He's kind of he's kind of tired of it. Um, yeah, he's he's worn. So a it does thin. still it does feel more like of like, and I think that adds to the the tragedy of it. Of, you know, the tragic love story of it. Of like, this is in the end was just a person that she met that she fell in love with, but they had to part for uh, you know certain reasons. So what happens to Mina afterwards? Because you think that they're going to be like, yeah, yeah, come on back. Let's hang out. You, you just went off with Dracula. You helped them I mean, up. I think you just got to stay at that castle. All by herself? She doesn't even have the the, the fun concubines. 
The wolves are probably gone. I mean, the rats are there, but... You know, I mean... The rats could be your friend. Tom Waits really liked the rats, I feel like. Tom Waits would have been friends with the rats. He was hungry. He was hungry. Guy had to eat, you know what I'm saying? I, I like, could not... I, I haven't really elaborated why I love Tom Waits in this movie, but I just feel like he just sells that tone so well. He's just insane. Mm. He's just this quivering mess who looks like he's been like on some sort of drug for like the past few days and he's just he just sells that performance so well it's so impressive yeah he's just another scene chewing performance for sure he was going for the oscar too everyone was going for the oscar at the same time and nobody won nobody got (laughs) really it should have been the i think the the effects definitely should have won an oscar just because it's such like like that's that's maybe like the strongest thing of the film it's like you're watching like you know, a lost silent film that's been colorized and sound it isn't. Yeah, something. it's an unbelievable feat what they did throughout. Like <clears throat> even even if you like are someone that doesn't like, I don't think there's anyone. Even if you're someone who hates like the Keanu performance or just anything else, like I don't think there's anyone who can't be like those. Those effects are impressive. Yeah. Well, I, I it, should say that uh, I, Aiko Ishioka is that her name? She won yeah. best costume design at the Academy oh. Awards. Oh, that's uh, cool. Okay. Uh, best sound editing and also best makeup best, best art makeup. direction did not win which is very mm. interesting i'd be curious to see what won best makeup year. is it is a is an award i mean not that it shouldn't be <laughs> i've just never never heard that I award i think it's not anymore i think it's combined with costume design now yeah that makes sense i don't follow or maybe the it doesn't I don't, anymore. I don't know i don't know yeah, yeah. it's been like a decade <laughs> since i cared about the oscars so I, I don't remember but yeah i think uh, i think it's just with costume design now hmm so, so I think it's makeup think it's and costume fr- design. So kind of going off of that, like I just saw kind of researching this Academy Awards stuff. I saw an article saying that this movie is a guilty pleasure. Is that a fair oh, yeah. assessment? Yes. You think that's fair? Best possible guilty a, pleasure. But I think yes. it's like I think it's good. I think it's a it's a great movie. That's I guess to find guilty pleasure. Like that's that's the thing, is like I mean, how I think most people define a guilty pleasure, I get where that's coming from. I mean, we I cannot torpedo this whole... I could talk about it for an hour of how I don't like the idea of guilty pleasures to begin with. Mm. So, like, but with how I know most people to define a guilty pleasure, I get where they're coming from. But also, this is one of my favorite movies ever. So yeah. I don't... There's I feel no guilt for my love for Dracula. I'll put it that I've, way. I feel no guilt either. I guess there's just there's an element of badness to this film as much as it is an incredible film. Like some of there's some things that are wobbly that I, I think ultimately enhance the product. But uh, I could yeah. see why people would say that. It's mainly Keanu Reeves so, so like, and, and the you, overacting. Can you call it? Can you call it badness then if it works? Like does that? Uh, I mean I don't know. I would say my ultimate guilty pleasure is George Michael, and I don't think there's anything wrong with George Michael. It's just uh, it's out of character more than anything else. Like, I don't know. I feel like uh, I think that's just camp. To me, it's it's yeah. high camp, you know, and camp yeah, is yeah. totally justified. Like the overacting, um, the, you know, the 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 pompous, bombastic sets like that's just camp. Right. like I wouldn't call teenage that girls and see through outfits running around in the rain. Uh, there's yeah, there's some camp. guilty pleasure stuff. In it. I don't there, know. I think it's camp. a great film. Like there's some I, camp, I, not guilty. pleasure. Yeah. OK. OK. <laughs> I, I think we could all agree that. It's not for everyone. That's the yeah. real. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the category. It actually is is that it's which is where I get of like I get how 
I get how it can not be some people it can turn them off, but for me, it's A plus material all the way through. Well, do yeah. you think that part of that is just how we define like what a great movie is? Because sometimes I think like a lot of people want naturalism or realism from a film and that's how they define something as being good. Like the Godfather movies are more realistic, you know? And maybe that's why those resonate with people more and they have more relatable characters. Well, this one doesn't, but does that necessarily make this one a lesser product? I don't know. No. Yeah. I, yeah. Again, yeah, it's just not as, that. it's just not as easily audience pleasing of like, you have to, you have to give yourself over to Dracula and like, let it take you where it wants to take you versus whereas something like the Godfather is just a bit more, it's, it's purposely shot and produced more in a more standard fashion. Mm-hmm right you know you're probably not watching dracula with your grandma uh, unless your grandma's really this isn't bad. your grandma's unless your grandma's awesome <laughs> <laughs> this isn't your i i it's oh. fun fact about that like my grandma who is 86 years old she said to me the other day that she really loves uh this movie she's like oh i love this gangster movie called eastern promises and i was like what you like the movie with the nude bathhouse fight? That's awesome! Whoa, Fuck yeah. this all this all makes sense. Oren's uh, origin story. This all it was it's it been all in goes his DNA back. this whole time. It goes back to my grandma. I was like, oh uh, man, my grandma's awesome. Okay, yeah, that that is pretty awesome. Uh, would you watch that movie with her, or would no. you cringe a little during the uh, no. floppy Vigo scene? Yeah. Okay. It is quite a floppy Vigo scene. Um. Uh, all right. Well, I guess it's fair to say that all three of us would heartily recommend this film. Um, right? Could not recommend it more. Yeah. I think it's funny that we had these extensive show notes, but your idea, Aaron, of kind of just going through the plot, we ended up covering everything anyway. No, yeah, so, yeah, of course. Yeah. So you're you're a genius, Aaron. You're you're a smart guy. <laughs> uh, okay, stop it. Get the fuck out of here. The Academy Award for smart guy goes to Aaron. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, I think that's I think that's a podcast. But uh, please, if you haven't watch uh, Ram Stoker's Dracula, Francis Ford Coppola's Ram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, it's it rocks, and I I I, uh, I guess the best way to watch it 4K Blu-ray. Yeah, if you you got all the setup you need to do it, it's that's absolutely again. You either you go all the way one way or all the way the other way, which I guess at this at this day and age it's probably easier to go with a four K route. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Drew, thanks for stopping by and thanks for inspiring us all to watch that. This has been a lot of fun. My pleasure. Oren, good having you. All of right. Of course. Uh, maybe maybe we'll watch another movie someday and talk about it. Uh, thanks for listening and adios!